Hello there, podcast listener. Amber Noel here. It's my turn to be a listener now. I would love to hear your thoughts about the podcast. The Living Church, as you might know, is a nonprofit communications ministry with a heart for Christian unity, especially in the Anglican Communion. And we want to keep our mission sharp in all we do, including the podcast, and have fun, obviously. But would you write to me and let me know how we're doing? What's the podcast doing for you? Is it making a difference in your thinking, your ministry, your prayer life, your daily walk with your golden doodle? Do you have some hot takes on what we could do better? I want to hear it all. I might even read your comments on the next episode. There are so many great podcasts out there. I want to do more of what The Living Church is here to do and less of what it's not. So there are two things you can do to help. First, make sure you're following us from a podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Find us on the page and click follow. The second thing you can do is email me, ambernoel at livingchurch.org. Share with me a thing or two you've gotten from the podcast over the years. And if you want, include something we might do better. Help us stay not just a great podcast, but on mission. Follow us, email me, A-M-B-E-R-N-O-E-L at livingchurch.org. I can't wait to hear from you. My responsibility as a coach is to ask really good questions that I don't know the answers to. Coaching cares about the person, but focuses on the project. And spiritual direction cares about the project, but focuses on the person. The beauty of the gospel is we've already been found out. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. The Living Church serving the Episcopal Church and the Anglican Communion since 1878. Welcome to the Living Church Podcast. Welcome, podcast listeners. I bet you didn't think that you'd be hearing from us again quite so soon. It's a Tuesday. We usually release on a Thursday. Well, while working on part two of the English pilgrimage, which launches in a couple of days, I had a conversation that I couldn't wait to share with you. So bonus episode, guys bonus episode. We love you so much. And you know what? You don't have to give to the Living Church or the Living Church podcast to listen to this episode because we're sweet. But we'd love if you'd consider sponsoring the podcast as a thank you. Just a few bucks a month helps us to keep the lights on and the conversations fresh. So actually, maybe you have a moment right now to click the link in the show notes and pledge five bucks, 10 bucks a month, I know you're on a budget, so thank you so much for considering this little gift back to our nonprofit ministry that encourages, edifies, and entertains so many leaders like you. You know, I think about church leaders a lot. And a question that's often simmering in my mind is how people in leadership in high performance vocations get the spiritual and emotional care that they need. Not easy. We want our leaders to function well to do what they do from the heart. But don't we also want them to recognize when they need help and to cultivate an intimate, loving relationship with Jesus and with others? So what do you do when a pastor needs a pastor? Who do pastors go to when they need counsel, friendship, advice, when they need to confess to get their most uncensored, hot off the press thoughts and feelings off of their chests? They might even need to cuss a little. Where do they go to get loving correction when they need it? And when no one is readily available in certain moments, how can pastors care for their inner lives in the meantime? These are some of the questions that I put to our guest today. 
the Reverend Dr. Matthew Hoskinson. Matthew is, among other things, a coach for pastors. So actually, if you've never considered coaching as part of your own life care package, maybe give it a think. Matthew is an ordained minister, a cancer survivor, a marathon runner, and a certified coach. After 15 years of pastoral ministry in New York City, he now works for Redeemer City to City as director of the City Ministry Program, a transformative urban education for the next generation of Christian leaders. He provides coaching, spiritual direction, and mentoring for leaders and ministers across the country. And he will be one of the speakers at our preaching conference in November in New York City. Yet another juicy link in the show notes for you to check out today. Tickets start at just 50 bucks for the conference, and we've even got a few tips on affordable places to stay in New York City. Check it out. We'd love to see you there. Now, get cozy on the therapist couch. Keep the Kleenex handy. We won't even bill your insurance for this. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Who has joined our meeting? This is my cat who always knows when I'm having a meeting. <laughs> we have a, a tuxedo cat. We took him to the vet. He weighed in at 26 pounds. Oh my <laughs> Lord. A, what are you feeding a, him? Peanut butter? Too, too much. Too much. <laughs> Your kids are doing their doing one of their chores at least, which is feeding the cat. Yes, yes. And they they do a good job on the litter box too. So which is as important oh. when there's all that feeding going on. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is impressive. If we had the intake without the outtake, then we'd have another problem. Yes, yes, definitely. Well, Matthew, thank you for joining us today. It's a delight. If I'm not mistaken, you're in Brooklyn. I'm actually in Manhattan. So. Okay, you're in Manhattan. All right. Because I yes. was going to ask you the most important question of our time today, which was your favorite coffee shop in Brooklyn and why? Mm. I am so not cool enough to answer that question. <laughs> I have Brooklyn friends who take me places. So still, probably my favorite is Blue Bottle Coffee. Although I'm sure some of my like truly Brooklyn coffee friends would be like, yeah, they've sold out their corporate. But I remember Blue Bottle when it was in Williamsburg and it didn't have a sign outside. <laughs> you know what? This is a safe space, Matthew. You could say Thank Starbucks you. and we wouldn't judge you here. Well, I, I may or may not be picking up Starbucks on the way home, so. Okay, all right. <laughs> he admits. So, Matthew, it's such a pleasure to be talking to you today, finally meeting you. You're going to be a guest at our preaching conference in November, and you've done, you've had so many different experiences. I was just reading your your bio again. You currently work for a ministry pra- ministry training program called City to City, And you're also a coach for pastors and a spiritual director for pastors. Can you tell us briefly what your journey has been into being a pastor to pastors? I've had a sense since I was a teenager that I was supposed to go into ministry, not all for good reasons, quite honestly. And when I was in seminary, I went through a crisis where I thought, holy cow, for the last 10 years, I've been directing my life towards seminary and here I am. And is this really what I'm going to do with my life? Is this, is this really what God called me to do? That, that It's always nice to have a little crisis moment in your 20s. But I, I was convinced that that's what God was calling me towards. And when I was ordained, I was ordained in a non-denominational church in South Carolina. 
And this this church was very interested in planting more churches. I, I like to say that our, our church was planting churches before it was cool. We don't want to get too big kind of a thing. Well, it ended up getting very big, which is instructive, but that's for another podcast. <laughs> um, and my role when I was ordained, I was pastor of youth and young adult discipleship, but Soon thereafter, we started an internship program, and one of my main roles was the theological formation of these interns who are coming through. Hmm. And I think even back then, I started like recognizing this heart for their development, their growth. And then as we sent them out, just that heart to stay connected with them and care for them through that continued to grow. I moved to, we moved to New York in 2010. I pastored a, a Baptist church in Manhattan. And really, that was my sole focus for six or seven years. But in the process of making new relational connections across denominations here, a friend of mine, a mentor of mine, invited me into coaches training. He said, I really think you'd be a great coach for pastors. So I, I liked telling people what to do. And so I was like, well, then I'll be a coach. And and he said, no, that's actually not what coaching is. Coaching is creating space for a leader who is stuck to process what they're going through. My responsibility as a coach is to ask really good questions that I don't know the answers to. I'm not leading the witness. I'm not giving backhanded consultation, but I'm creating space for them to process. Uh, and then really the beautiful moment in coaching is when the leader senses the voice of the spirit of God, mm. bringing clarity and then at the end of the call, they're telling me what they need to do. And my job is just to hold them accountable for mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of my journey into coaching. All of that was happening at the same time as my sister, my only sibling, going through the, the, the last stages of a, a lifelong fight with cancer. Mm. Meanwhile, ministry at the church was not going well. There were lots of conflicts and I was stuck. So I ended up going in for coaching myself, even while I was being trained to coach others, because I'm like, oh, I, I need this. Mm. And eventually actually coaching directed me away from being the pastor of that church. I actually needed to step out for the sake of this church. I could not lead them through the next stage. That was really, really challenging. And in the process, Kimberly said to me one day, I think you're depressed and you don't realize it. Wow, that's Kimberly's response, your wife. Kimberly's my wife, yes. <laughs> but my, my response, at least internally, was, well, I don't see it. And this was shortly after my sister had died. So I thought, well, I think maybe it would be go to, good to go in for counseling to process my grief. But within 60 seconds, I was talking about the church and the problems wow. there. Wow. And in talking with my friend slash coach, coaching trainer about what coaching is, I started learning more about what spiritual direction is, largely in context of coaching is not spiritual direction. If, if I could put it this way, coaching cares about the person, but focuses on the project. And spiritual direction cares about the project, but focuses on the person. Mm -hmm. There's kind of a spectrum between those two, pure coaching, pure spiritual direction. And I'm somewhere in the middle of that, just in my own giftedness, my own interests, and so forth. Coming out of my own experience of going through counseling, 
and the benefit I was finding there, the relief I was finding, realizing that my depression was tied more to my ministry life than it was to this tragedy in my family hmm. was really illuminating. Spiritual direction is actually kind of a misnomer in that I'm not the spiritual director. The Holy Spirit is the spiritual director. And I'm at my best, I'm facilitating a conversation between the person I'm talking to and, and God, which is actually the same as what's going on in coaching, but one is focused on the state of a person's soul, where they are. The other is focused on the state of their work, their ministry, their job. When I sort of onboard a new person, I try to make clear at the front end, here are two different disciplines. Which, which do you actually need? Where are you? And I'll let people sort of self-select. And then I'll just walk with them. If they want to walk as a spiritual director, I'll walk that way. If they want to walk as a coach, I'm happy to walk that way as well. That's great. And that's a really helpful distinction to draw. As you were telling your story about ministry struggles and your sister's death, and in the same time frame, beginning the journey of discerning callings to coaching and callings to spiritual direction, I'm thinking of the, the inner life and the outer life and how people who are in ministry have so many pressures from within and so many pressures from without. They're coming from both directions. Mm -hmm. And thinking about that, I guess our conversation is going to start a little heavy today because one of the biggest questions I have for you is when you talk to people about the pressures from within and the pressures from without, what do pastors across denominations go through or struggle with that touches your heart the most? Like those things that continue to resonate with you long after those conversations are over? Mm. Great question. One thing that resonates very deeply that I hear over and over again is just loneliness in ministry. Mm. That sense of disconnection from fellowship, from community, from safe spaces, from places where they can be known, places where they can let their guard down is, I think... That is a persistent challenge for pastors, even within denominational structures where there are people sort of assigned to that role, <laughs> bishops or whatever. The challenge is, depending on the structure, that person who is sort of your designated friend and mentor in ministry might also be your boss. <laughs> yeah, and, and so right. it, it's it's hard to open up fully mm -hmm. when you know your job might be on the line. Mm -hmm. So that that kind of dual relationship or multiple relationship. Frankly, I think that particular pro challenge for pastors is one that we just don't talk about enough. So in my congregation, I relate to all of them, say, as pastor. Okay, that's one level. <clears throat> Someone comes to me for counseling. Okay, now I have a, multi I have a second relationship. Now I I I'm a counselor for that person and their pastor. I've got a vestry, I've got a board, I've got deacons, the lay leaders in the church, and now that's a different relationship. And then these people pay me, so they're they're my employer in some way. So there's all there's all these relationships, and I think for pastors, I think maybe even for church members, it can be easy just to say, well, the church is a family, and that mm -hmm. that just kind of 
that covers a multitude of sins. Uh, And it it reveals a a multitude of sins. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think even some of the disconnects people have about church life revolves around the fact that we all, that's the only analogy we use to describe the church. It's like, we should be a family. Well, yeah, we're a family that, that where the, where the kids pay the dad, like, <laughs> or, or, or the kids pay the mom or like, how, like, how does that function? Or we've got legalities that we have to worry about. Pastors often don't know with whom they can be fully known. Mm. So even in talking with my spiritual director, He's he's shared with me that for many for many pastors their spouse is their pastor. Oh man! So, so they dump everything out on their spouse because they trust that person. So it's a good thing. However, now that person has the responsibility of not just being the husband or wife of the pastor, but now they're the pastor of the pastor, and they weren't trained for that. Like that that they didn't sign up for that particular role. Yeah. But like, then there's this weird sense of, am I acting with integrity that I want our church to experience a kind of community with one another, knowing and being known that I myself cannot participate in in the same way? Right. So am I acting with integrity if I'm also not being as transparent with the congregation as I want to see the congregation be amongst themselves? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, every church has issues. And someone pastors need someone that they can kind of just spout off about what they're dealing with. Hashtag no filter. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Without feeling like their job is on the line or someone's going to say, well, you shouldn't think that. Mm -hmm. Of course they shouldn't think that. That's why they, that's why they're talking about it because I'm stuck in this spot. So that all of those contribute to that sense of loneliness. Who can I walk with through these difficult challenges, um, be real, main, maintain confidentiality as necessary, but just find a healthy community for myself. Yeah. Um, and and be accountable. People who know you well enough that they can say, cut the BS. And you, you know, maybe that's your bishop. Maybe it's your bishop sometimes, mm-hmm. but but maybe not. Maybe that relationship mm-hmm. is a little trickier or a little different. And it can't always be your spouse who says, cut it out. I've, you know, I've had enough of this or, you know, you're going in the wrong direction. And then to have those friendships, I'm thinking of the statistics on ministers who have trouble in their marriages and in long-term relationships and ministers who struggle with pornography and sexual addiction. Mm -hmm. And these are, these just seem to be, have, have a deep relationship to what you've just described. Mm-hmm. Is there another sort of big category that you would name of if loneliness is one, is there another big category that that you would want to name before I ask some follow-up questions? Yeah, another another thing I see this in myself, so maybe I'm projecting, but I think I think it's bigger than that. It's a, it's the struggle to relate to God. God becomes yeah. my business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I become God's employee. So my relationship to God takes on this weird function of, did I do my job well this week? And I don't know any denomination that does do report cards, but certainly God's not giving a report card every week <laughs> saying, hey, you know, B minus on that sermon, but A minus on your pastoral care. Like, way to go being at the hospital at midnight. Like, I like that. You know, so 
but we, we, we fall into this reading the Bible, praying, you know, the, the ordinary formative practices that really kind of, from most pastors I know, those are the things that actually said, I want to be in ministry. Well, once you get in ministry, those things become my job now. Mm-hmm. And my time in scripture is focused on, I have to speak on Sunday. What am I going to say? So all these pressures kind of surrounding my interaction with God. Yeah. So then God just becomes part of my to-do list rather than person who knows me and loves me and, and, and who calls me child does not call me employee, but that, that pressure, I think, just weighs heavily because, again, I think most pastors, when they pause to reflect on that, they know that's not the way it ought to be. Yeah. That ministry ought to be from the overflow of what God's doing. But there are all of these competing pressures that, that leave them spiritually dry. And that, so when you put spiritual dryness with aloneness, that can, that, Mm, that can catalyze really, really dangerous things. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Spark and tinder kind of thing. Yeah. And even just the as you were talking, I was thinking too of the pressure for things to be a certain way. You know, so if so if you're if you're locked into a narrative that my cup must always be mm. overflowing mm -hmm. and then everyone's just drinking from the saucer of the depths of the richness of my own relationship with God. Mm. And that even in those moments where I think I have 15 minutes to prepare what I'm going to say to a family mm -hmm. whose loved one is dying. And in that moment, maybe you are instrumentalizing scripture or you're going in for something to mm -hmm proof text for a word of comfort or, or whatever. I mean, mm -hmm. to add that layer of judgment, not saying, you know, never judge your words or you're always mm -hmm. doing the right thing. Certainly we're not always doing the right thing, but, but to add the layer of, of, of judgment that I'm sort of always probably doing the wrong thing, yes. <laughs> I think is like, I had a friend who said to me once, do you know what God is? God's probably not that hard to please. Mm. <laughs> Mm, that's beautiful. <laughs> and so, you know, we have the parable of the talents. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. But if we could imagine that that's the same person who said to Julian of Norwich, I thank thee for thy travail. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't thank thee for thy success. I thank thee for thy travail mm -hmm. and, and just for being there, you know, for mm -hmm. me. I just finished reading Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince again. That was Excellent. one of my vacation reads. And you know, there's that great scene at, at the beginning of the book, Harry, with the help of the Half-Blood Prince, wins a vial of, of a potion called Felix Felicis mm -hmm. that will just make you lucky. Everything will go break your way. And of course, in the story, he appears to give it to Ron and before an important Quidditch match, he ended up not even giving it to him. But Ron thought he had taken it and acted with such confidence and boldness. He was the star of the, of the match, right? And then later in the book, Harry actually takes it and everything goes his way. Like every, like the thing he was supposed to do at the very, when, when he's like, so what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to go see Hagrid. <laughs> it's like, no, you're supposed to go what? see Slughorn. Right. Like, and he's like, no, I have a really good feeling about this. I've just been reflecting, like, I wonder if that's what it's like to walk in the spirit. 
Yes, I have had the same thought. Yes, right. Like just to be confident that whatever decision I Uh make is going to be the right one rather than (laughs) always thinking that whatever I do is the wrong decision. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, even if it is the wrong choice in the moment, you know, God, he's the God who turns things around. Like, do I trust him to be bigger than me actually or not? He gives humans frightful agency. And yet, do I trust him to be bigger than my agency? And yes. even the worst that we can do. Do we trust Absolutely. him? Absolutely. Um, yeah. We, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not there, just to be clear. Like, I am not there. But can I trust the spirit to go before me in this moment and walk in with confidence, even though I don't know how this is going to go? The spirit is better than Felix, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Felix is just luck. The spirit is the omnipotent God himself with me and in me. But there would be so much more like just freedom and delight. But again, we get so trapped into kind of the giants on our shoulders. And another coach's training I, I've, I've gone through just focuses on managing anxiety mm. and specifically anxiety as leaders. Mm. And, and one of those sources of, of anxiety that I have to coach myself and others on is the giants on our shoulders. Like, oh, you're doing that wrong. Like, oh, that, that verse wasn't, doesn't really say that. You, that sermon... Does, is that really the point of that passage or what? whatever crazy stuff? They they probably we, we don't hit. like you. They'll probably leave the church and stop giving tithes, you know, whatever. Exactly. Whatever. They know you're just a terrible pastor. Like it's terrible. It's they horrible. see through you. They see through you. Yes. Imposter <laughs> syndrome. Oh, that's a huge one. That's a, can I make that a third bucket? Yes. <laughs> I, yes. I don't know that anyone actually has admitted that to me in coaching or spiritual direction, but I can't help but wonder, again, knowing myself, to whatever extent I do, how much of imposter syndrome stands behind all of these anxieties and fears that drive us to loneliness or that drive us to dryness, where like at some point, they're gonna, they're gonna find us out. But the beauty of the gospel is we've already been found out. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. And by his wounds, we are healed. We already are whole. I don't, my ministry doesn't have to make me whole. That's a lie, I believe. That if I'm an effective minister, then I'll be whole. Hmm. If, I, if I preach a good sermon, then I will be healed. It's like, no, 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 no. Jesus is my, Jesus is my healing. Hmm. His wounds are my life. And when that is reoriented, now I can actually just serve in freedom. Hmm. Hey there, podcast listener. If you've listened to the podcast for a while, you probably know that The Living Church is not just a podcast. Oh no, my friend. TLC is a publishing ministry with a unique magazine, independent church news reporting, a stellar theology blog, resources for parish ministry, many of them free. I could go on. Stop me now. Stop me now. We're rooted in the Episcopal Church and the Anglican Communion, but we have a big heart for the unity of all God's people. You know that I love that you're here, but I don't want you to just stay in the podcast space and miss out on other ways our ministry might serve you. You can go to livingchurch.org and see what all TLC offers. How can we serve you today? One way we might serve you is coming up in September. We're hosting an event with an amazing community of friends at All Souls Episcopal Church in Oklahoma City, a conference called The Human Pilgrimage. What does it mean to be human? How do we live fully as creatures loved, limited, and liberated by God? 
join The Living Church September 26th to 28th in Oklahoma City and be refreshed by three days of world-class keynotes, friendship, and meditation on who we are as creatures in Christ. Right now, you also get 15% off all tickets with the promo code EARLYBIRD. Go to livingchurch.org forward slash events for more information and to buy your tickets. And I hope to see you there. Okay, speaking of that, you, as you serve pastors who are going through these things and you're listening, you've already said that part of your job as a coach, as a spiritual director, is not to tell them what to do. So you are helping them to find freedom. And in a way, you're kind of overhearing what the Holy Spirit is saying to them. Mm -hmm. So in these buckets, loneliness, imposter syndrome, weird relationship with God. (laughs) What are you overhearing the Holy Spirit say to pastors? What are some themes that you see Pete, that, that you see played out in aha moments frequently? Mm. I love you. You're my beloved one. I don't know that we believe it as pastors. No, I I believe God loves them. Mm. I'm not sure that God loves me. Yeah. When the clouds part and I sense God's smile, boy, there's freedom in life. And when I'm working to earn God's smile, everything tastes like death. So, I mean, it really is the message that we have the privilege of sharing with our people, whether from a pulpit or from a lectern or in a small group, like that gospel is good news for me. And, and so I, I memorized this in, in the King James, so it's going to come out, you know, lispy. But Paul told Timothy, the husbandman, the farmer, that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Mm-hmm. The gospel has got to be good news for me. And when it is, it, it unlocks so much. The gospel really is the power of God to rescue me from my despair. It's more than just the power of God to convert me, but the whole, the whole kit and caboodle, the gospel is the power of God to do that. So if someone's listening right now, who's in a position of Christian leadership and they're thinking to themselves, I I don't really know how the gospel is good news right now. I know Mm. that I've known it at some point. I'm I just really, it's not resonating with me. What would you, I'm going to let you give advice. What would you advise them to do first? I I would advise them to go to the Psalms and to find themselves there, wherever they are, and just keep reading until they find themselves. Once, Once they've found that Psalm or those Psalms that like, exquisitely articulate where they are, I would encourage them to read the psalm hearing Jesus's voice praying it during his earthly life. Whatever that psalm is, hear it as Jesus verbalizing those words because he did. Like he really was on this planet 
there's not a single experience Jesus that we go through that Jesus himself did not experience and go to greater depths in those experiences than we did. So he's identifying himself with you, pastor, Christian leader, in your loneliness, in your despair, in your betrayal, in your arguing with God about all of this, in your feeling like darkness is my closest friend. Hello, Psalm 88. Can you hear Jesus praying that psalm? Jesus is gloriously divine, and he is gloriously human. And, and he is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. The resurrected Jesus is present with you right now by his spirit. And he's, he's not leading you down a road he himself is skewed. He walked it all the way for us. I remember being in a ministry full-time and having this feeling of there's just something that's just, I don't, what do you call it? You call it dryness. You call it anxiety. I was Mm -hmm. grumpy a lot of the time. And I'm not saying that what happened to me solved it, but it was, I went to a concert with some friends, sort of an alt indie band. The concert was in a church and they were up performing near the altar. And there's this like lovely crucifix above the altar. And I was sitting there and just this wall of sound was washing over me. And there was a glow coming from the cross. This was not a mystic. This was like an actual light that was just shining there from the guy who was doing the spotlights. But as I was looking at it, I found myself averting my eyes from the cross. Mm. And I wondered why. And it was as if the Lord spoke to my heart and said, it's just been so long since you've looked at me directly and not in a blaming way, but sort of Mm -hmm. like, I I welcome you to do that kind of way. So -hmm. there was some slippage where I was kind of always Mm -hmm. looking to the side of the cross or like Mm -hmm. grasping it to use it for something Mm -hmm. or for the benefit of others and couldn't quite grasp it for, for my own benefit. Mm-hmm. But it was just in this moment at this like mm-hmm. rock concert, sitting there mm-hmm. with this, you know, electronica washing over me. I felt him saying, just sort of, you know, well, here I am. I am at the center anyway, whether you're looking there or not. <laughs> yes, I'm there anyway. Yes. But you're welcome to 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 recenter yourself in in me. He said it much more gracefully and with much fewer words than I just did. But mm-hmm. that was, I will I hope I never forget. Mm-hmm that experience of his own acknowledgement of my pain Mm -hmm. and at the same time was an invitation to unburden myself in the middle of him. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Similarly, I was at a concert. I think it was was a conference. I was here in the city and the band was loud and the same kind of wall of sound, but the, the band performed a like they somebody had written a a fresh setting of Horatius Bonar's text. I heard the voice of Jesus say, and I, I mean, I was a, a year and a half in the ministry here in financial debt up to my eyeballs. We had just had our fifth child. Ministry is not going great. I'm questioning everything, everything about what I've done. And yeah, I mean, God just met me there. And it it was one of those profound 
moments where you hear you hear the voice of God, and it is like unlike anything else. It does feel a little bit like Aslan. Like, mm-hmm. can't you just stay? Can't we just always have experiences like that? And maybe that's part of the disorientation that pastors experience is that you don't get something like that every week. Well, I don't. Maybe some people do. We hope for it, long for it, spend time with God. It's still meaningful. But, you know, to use a baseball analogy, it's like that's sort of a perfect game moment. But most days it's just a single to drive in a run, you know? <laughs> and it's like, can't there be a perfect game again today? But that, that we would experience the presence of God in ordinary ways is itself a wonder. <laughs> totally. And maybe those, and maybe those moments where, you know, the reality of his love opens up in a particular way to us are helping to train us to find that infused into mm-hmm these ordinary things. We're talking about your mentor, Tim Keller earlier, Mm -hmm. and so many things he did that people just never knew. And Mm -hmm. the hiddenness, the hiddenness of God's work, and some of his best work, maybe, maybe his best work, I don't know, being Mm -hmm. what's hidden, and, and yet to be revealed and just looks like, like nothing on the surface or looks boring or looks Mm -hmm. like what will this ever add up to or this is not effective, Mm -hmm. or I don't feel the way I want to feel, you know, Mm -hmm. But he's always busy. He's always busy. Yep. Mm -hmm. Unresting, unhasting, silent as light. Oh, such a great song. I don't, I don't love the like immortal, invisible, God only wise always leaves me a little cold. I know it's true. I know Mm -hmm. it's true. But Mm -hmm. former Pentecostal can't have everything. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Matthew, I was going to ask you as a final question about a word of encouragement you'd want to leave with Christian leaders. I mean, I feel you've said so much that's encouraging, but I'm, you know, when I was thinking about this conversation today, I was also thinking we're just, we're only a year, a year and a half out from a a period of time that was really difficult for pastors, a pandemic, masks or no mask, technology, people getting really mad and people acting super nasty that you thought were actually really nice. You know, all of the, a lot of political turmoil and trying to, to figure out what to do, dealing with wounds of the past, figuring out how to be a 21st century pastor and catch fly balls and Mm -hmm. disasters and things we can't control Mm -hmm. with all of this stuff. If you could, if you could sort of leave a word of encouragement for folks in this moment. Other than hire a coach if you can, or use your use your discretionary budget and get a little coaching. Why not get a little coaching? Is there just a word of encouragement that that you'd want to leave with folks? Yeah, Jesus sees you. I, I just this past Sunday I preached on the story of Zacchaeus, and this crowd celebrating, worshiping, following Jesus. They didn't even. At best, they didn't even notice that Zacchaeus was there wanting to see Jesus. So at best, he's not seen. More likely, they know who he is, rejected, alone, in a tree. I'm unseen, I'm misunderstood, I'm rejected. I think, in particular, pastors and Christian leaders feel all three of those profoundly. People don't see me, people don't understand me, people reject me. And I love that what Jesus does in that moment is he sees Zacchaeus in the tree and he doesn't say, Hey, you there. He calls him by name. 
Zacchaeus, everything that we experience, Jesus went through. And then on the third day, he rose again to look us in the face and call us by name. Amber, I see you. I understand you. I welcome you. And he wraps us in that loving embrace. Nothing can shake us, even the rejection, the misunderstanding, or the invisibility that was foisted upon us. So I would say to pastors and Christian leaders, Jesus sees you, he knows you, he loves you. I've been speaking today with the Reverend Matthew Hoskinson. He's going to be with us at our preaching conference in New York this November, preaching in a post-Christian age. So if you want to hear more, please join us there. Matthew, it's been such a delight. Thank you for being with us today. A real honor. Thank you, Amber. Thanks for tuning in to the Living Church Podcast, a ministry of the Living Church Institute. You can learn more or register for the New York Conference or support the Living Church Podcast by finding the corresponding link in the show notes today. Next week, we'll be heading out on part two of our English pilgrimage. After that, we've got office hours with our new executive director, Matthew Olver, an author chat with Claire Gilbert about her new novel on Julian of Norwich, and much, much more. Until then, our producer is Leslie Thompson. I'm Amber Noel, your host, and it's been good to be with you. Peace.